The ancient hallway before you, from floor to walls to ceiling, is covered in grooves that move in spirals, transitioning from the top of the ceiling, down the right wall, along the floor, back up the opposite wall, into the ceiling again. Darkness, from deeper in the dungeon, swirls forward, flowing through the grooves like blood. It surrounds you. Coming with it are dark forms, and you can hear the voice, corrupt, ancient, and yet somehow familiar, whispering, come back to us. The dungeon my party is in currently has been fairly easy. There's been some damage that came as a result of gray oozes, but overall, the combats have been far below the party's current level. We're going to be stepping that up. There are things in front of them, such as black puddings and more oozes, but in addition to that, they're going to be encountering undead in the form of shadows and skeletons, and these things are connected to one of the entities in the campaign who's vying for godhood, the fallen angel Semyana. And Semyana has deep connections to the shadow sorcerer Voss. This is a, a grand opportunity, I think, to bring something that I had been intending to do from the very, very beginning of the campaign a little bit into focus here. So the story is less about just a simple dungeon crawl, less about one character, the dwarf in this case, is pursuit of their race's lost clan, and hopefully engage a broader set of the characters, as well as give everyone an opportunity to pay off some of the new and shiny capabilities that they get as a result of their very recent level up. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. The goals for me in designing the next session are twofold. First is to punch up the dungeon that I have them moving through. What I've done is I've I've pulled out a small side adventure from the Wizards of the Coast book out of the abyss and and plop that in here and I'm I'm using the map and the dungeon and some of the challenges therein but I'm finding that this is far below my party's level and so I need to add in some some additional challenges. I'm not opposed to having a party face things that are below their level, but the way it's set up is there's just not a lot for everyone to be doing and the challenge I think in the design was more about a lower level party who just went through something extremely difficult if you're familiar with out of the abyss the beginning is a really tough challenge escaping from the drow and giving them sort of a, a very different kind of experience more of a mystery uh, a temple located under uh, under the ground in the in the underdark that they get trapped in well i don't quite have that situation i'm using it in a in a in a slightly different way and so what i need to do is i need to add in some undead that pays off the setup that i have this is part of an existing mine it's been uncovered by a couple of folks who weren't supposed to be there and the party ahead of the rest of the mining company coming here and discovering all the riches and treasures that will be found in this this strange place kind of sneaks in to to steal it away from them what they found so far are gray oozes and a uh, a gelatinous cube that's sentient has befriended the party in a way, which I think is just super cool. They've also got some fantastic art in Out of the Abyss for the for the gelatinous cube that is sentient. It has these two floating eyeballs in a very weird way. It's almost kind of cute. I think for the Out of the Abyss campaign, you actually have the option, spoiler alert, of uh, having this gelatinous 
YouTube as a continual ally. I don't know that that'll be the case here because my party is very rapidly going to be leaving the, the tunnels into the, the upper world, and that just won't work for for a gelatinous cube. His destiny, I think, lies elsewhere. So I want to punch up the, the dungeon that they're currently in. The black puddings certainly will do that, but the way they're set up, I don't think the party will really fall into the traps that the, the black puddings are sort of aligned with in the current module. Module, you see, I just dated myself there. The second thing that I want to do is I want to engage the players a little bit more. I've really come to an understanding that my players want different things. And sure, folks are hearing that and going, well, duh. And that's kind of the, the, the point of, of doing this podcast. You still have to go back to the basics sometimes and remind yourself that there are different things you constantly should be working on. You should always be working on your craft. Now, I'm not saying that I, I had a situation where anyone was completely disengaged or they weren't having fun in the session, but what I've, what I've noticed is I have players who are very tactical-minded, and so they love the combats. And I have players that absolutely adore the role-playing, and I, I seem to have everything on the spectrum, right? I think most folks, if you press them, they want a balance between combat and role-playing, but there are players that skew one way or the other, and this particular module doesn't have a ton of opportunity for role-playing. And so I'm looking for ways to insert some of that. The, uh, the Voss character far prefers the role-playing interaction and thinking on her backstory and her connection to the fallen angel Semyana, and that connection, by the way, because I, I always forget that I haven't shared everything about the campaign on uh, on these uh, these podcasts, and that's primarily because I don't want to bore people with all the de noodly details of my campaign. It's really about the process. She has a connection to Semyana. That's actually why she is a shadow sorcerer. The shadow part comes from Semyana. There's an opportunity, since I was going to put Undead in here, to use some shadowy Undead and have them try to communicate with her in that way that I kind of introduced the podcast here today with. Taylor uh, would, would probably uh, be a little creeped out by it, but there'd be an opportunity for her to maybe talk to some of these shadows. I always love doing that when you can take a monster that normally is just, hey, roll for initiative and kill it. And that may be exactly what happens. That's probably what should happen. But there's discussion, there's personality to something that never gets a personality, right? It's kind of like taking a goblin and giving it a name and, and giving it some extra motivation that becomes very transparent to the players. It's taking something like a shadow, which is normally just this evil, silent, monolithic thing that you engage with and giving it a little bit of a, of a persona. They'll actually be talking to her as emissaries from Semyana. And this was something that I was, not this exactly, but a, a similar function I was planning to do all the way back in the beginning when I was going to have this dream sequence. It kind of serves the same function to show that Semyana considers her important. And he does so because she's an Asimar who has fallen and that he has some influence over and who wields shadow power. So she has the potential to be like a high priestess, if you will, for him. Someone that would be very important in his ascension to godhood. Not saying she's the only way that he can do that, but she certainly represents a path to increasing his influence among the, amongst the mortal world. Additionally, I'm in this subset of engage the party more. For the folks who are more tactically minded, they've just gained a whole ton of new shiny abilities within their, their level up. I know that Joe playing the fighter has a bunch of battle master capabilities. I want to give him an opportunity to break those out and use them. The ranger is a gloom stalker, and so he should have some things that should be very effective um, against things that require that rely on dark vision. He should be 
pretty badass in underground combat like this. Mir, as a fourth level druid, should have brand new spells that he's going to be breaking out. Additionally, I know he's got a new feat that basically uh, makes him uh, almost impossible to surprise with a, a passive perception well above a 20. Of course, uh, Grayson's playing a brand new character, his his new bard of the, the College of Swords. So there's lots of things that folks want to really be able to try out. And so I think I need to do more than give them oozes to fight because oozes, quite honestly, are not that much fun, I don't think, in combat. They represent almost like moving traps in my mind. It doesn't have the same... When you fight one, I don't think it has the same cinematic feel to it. The module as written really relies mostly on these oozes. I don't think there's anything else in it that they need to combat. There's more puzzle and conceptual challenges. And so I'm just going to break it out a little bit and add in these, these shadow undead. And then when they are able to get out of the dungeon, there may be a Krothic encounter. I'm going to use that as an optional thing based on how I feel the night is going. If there's time for it, sure. But I have a feeling the way these things tend to go, we're going to spend a, quite a bit of time just getting them out of this dungeon. And then I think it'll be fun to get them back to town and uh, let them plan their next bit before we we close out the the evening's play I wanted to talk about my process, how I approach preparation, how it comes to me, how I begin, what are the things I'm doing. I approach things from an inspirational point. I had that scene that I described at the beginning of the podcast. I saw this in my mind, like a movie playing out. I thought about how I would do the shadow voice and all that kind of stuff, where it would be in the dungeon. Now, that's just an image, an idea, an initial little spark of something. And that's where it began for me. When I had that, I said, well, okay, now what do I have to build around that in order to make that a functional thing for a game session? I realized that the current state of the dungeon doesn't really have a place where a battle like this could really occur. There's not really a room that I think is big enough for the party to have a, some good maneuverability, plus I could have a whole bunch of shadows, and I'm also going to have a number of skeletons. And then from there, I said, I said, I thought, I don't actually talk out loud to myself all that much. Try not to, at least. I thought to myself, I also have the mean original concept to pay off, which is Constantine's pursuit of his lost dwarven clan. And the way I was going to do that is with the skeletons. Then that spurred me to think, well, what is this place? Right? I've set it up so that it's, it's a place that has a bunch of oozes in it. And I had also set it up so that this was a temple to Jubilex. That was the original thing that had never been shared with the party. And so I'm course correcting and shifting it to really be about Semyana and that this is a place that has been corrupted by Semyana. He's responsible for giving the gelatinous cube sentience. And this is a place where he has resonance. In the distant past, it was a temple that was carved out for Jubilex. I'm going to keep that. So it's an apocryphal place. And the Dwarven clan had sent a scouting party. There are dwarves who were killed by these oozes long, long, long time ago. Some of them are just bones. Most of them had been completely dissolved and have long since ceased to be. But there will be enough Dwarven skeletons around with elements that give the party and specifically Constantine, some more clues as to the fate of Clan Arkadin. 
So it's important that as I'm engaging, using the storyline to engage another player, I don't forget what I was trying to do initially. And so I'm trying to balance it and do multiple things here. So I'm adding the shadows in because they now this whole place has since been corrupted by Semyana. The shadows are here as a result of his power. They've got clues and elements of what had happened to Clan Arkadin. I'm not solving that mystery for them yet, just giving some more clues and really confirming that Clan Arkadin was here, which is something that I think will give heart to the dwarf. As well as, as I'm doing that, give everybody else an opportunity to break out their, their characters and basically kick some ass. So my process begins with this idea of, hey, there's this cool scene where the where the shadows kind of pop up, but then rapidly shifts over to, I think, more the left side of my brain to sort of lock down and say, like, okay, functionally, where does this fit in the dungeon? How am I going to break this out? What's going to be catalyst moments? Catalyst moments for me are scenes that I can put in front of the players, little hooks that start to move the story forward and start to get them making decisions about they, what they want to do next. I talked about the map and I think the map needs to be amended. So I'm going to have to pull that into an image editing program and look to see if there's a way I can add or expand on a, on a room within it to give myself the space that I need to run what I consider to be a good combat with the shadows. When I say a good combat, what do I mean by that? I can put in a big old rectangular room or a big cavernous room, just a big blob where it's open space. But I don't think that quite pays off what I'm trying to do with the with the shadow. So I'm envisioning a room that has a lot of really wide, really thick, five feet wide pillars in it. And the grooves are wrapped around the pillars. The grooves are in the, in the floor and the ceiling. It'll be a low ceiling. So it has a little bit of a claustrophobic feel. There could be areas that are partially collapsed. And the reason I'm doing all of this is because I want there to be places where where there's going to be lots of natural darkness. There's going to be lots of supernatural darkness. There's going to be blocking terrain. It just makes the, the combat map a little more interesting. From this initial spark of these shadows coalescing through the grooves that are etched into the dungeon and then pulling that through the goals that I have for the session, delivering a fun time for each and every one of the players, and then practically pulling it into things like the maps, what are the creatures I'm going to need for the session. All of this, I, th I think, is is how I, I pull these things together. I start to bring it back to that initial spark by thinking, well, how am I going to describe it in a way that goes beyond just, here's a map, here, here's a here's a little icon, a mini of a shadow, go, right? That That's fine, but this is a horrific thing. Think about it in real life. If you found yourself in some kind of an underground cavern and suddenly living shadows with weapons appeared and were whispering to at least one of your party that they want you to come back to us and they're trying to kill the rest of you. This is horror movie stuff. So what I want to do is I want to set up the, the theme and the setting to really support that. This is what good storytelling is about, in my opinion. That's where I am with the next session right at this moment. It's still a bit of a work in progress, but I'm evolving the dungeon itself so that it represents more of a challenge for the players. I'm doing that by adding in some undead. I'm engaging the players by breaking out the dungeon into some bigger areas where I can have a lot more space for combat. I'm using the shadow creatures to really tie in one of the player's backstories, and this specifically is a player who I feel really gets far more engaged when there are role-playing aspects that tie into something that she can be doing, something that she can sink her teeth into because the role-playing aspects are, are more exciting for her. And by the way, I feel like I have to also say, as I'm getting older, I prefer the role-playing aspects 
far more than the combats. It's not to say I don't enjoy the combats, because I sure do, but a good role-playing opportunity. You know, the sessions that we had where she was engaging with Luskin, the, the assassin character, many sessions ago. Those are some of the best ones for me. I really enjoy that stuff. So it's not like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm some martyr who's changing my game to, to support what she wants. This is stuff that I think would be awesome as well. So the point in noting that is that as you move towards fulfilling the the needs and the the preferences of your players i think you also end up building just a much better game that's probably a lot more fun for the dungeon master as well and probably prevents the dreaded dungeon master burnout or at least pushes it off i'm really looking forward to see how the more role-playing oriented engagement with the shadows will play out i think that's something that could really be successful not just for uh taylor playing voss but for everyone in the group i think it'll bring it to life a lot more so i, I think that's going to be a big win or i'm anticipating that it will i think the thing that's going to be the most challenging challenging is the pacing to be honest right how long is this combat and the rest of the dungeon going to take i think you could easily take the the entirety of the session because there's exploration that needs to be done there's going to be slowing down as they probably check for traps and things of that nature one of my big things for ending is always having some idea of where they're going to go and what they're going to do next so that it can inform my prep so the question becomes after they get out of this dungeon is it going to be an easy move back to town or is it going to be more encounters in the caverns my suspicion is that it will be a move back to town but if i was a betting man i'd say we're not even going to get out of this dungeon it'll probably end when they're maybe just getting out of the dungeon and that will put me in a bad spot to be honest because they're going to go back to town and then we're going to have to deal with well what's the next thing they're going to do and preparation for the session after that will really be me shrugging and going, I'm just going to have a, have to have a whole bunch of content necessary to riff and improvise based on how they decide to engage in the town. The good thing is I have very engaged players and I've gone through some exercises to make the town more than just a cookie cutter thing. And so these are good problems to have. Plus I have really engaged players, so I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to help out at all, the absolute best thing that you can do is give us a review on iTunes. At this point, just looking to elevate the profile of the audio journal and get some other folks listening in. As always, you can reach out on Twitter at Anatomy Camp, or you can go to the Podbean website. You should see the link in the description and leave us a comment. Or you can reach me directly by email at phil at campaignanatomy.com. As ever, thanks for listening.